Welcome to the Frederick Seventh-day Adventist Church podcast, your place for positive, uplifting messages of hope. To learn more about the church, feel free to drop by frederickSDAchurch.org. Money. It's a touchy subject. However, when two-thirds of Jesus' parables dealt with money, it seems it was pretty important to him. Pastor Q begins a new sermon series on godly, biblical ways in handling your finances that can hopefully help you experience peace in this area of your life. I am very, very excited about the sermon series that we are about to embark on. I mean, I am ecstatic. I have been looking forward to this for um, probably a year now, and the time has finally arrived. And I hope that you are excited, as excited as I am about discovering the biblical truth and the biblical principles about money. Amen? All right, wait a second. Wait a second. For some reason, I'm not feeling the same enthusiasm. And before you tune me out, before you check out, turn me off, before you nudge your wife and say, honey, you know that camping trip we've been talking about? Well, I think the next few weeks we should plan for it. Before you tune me out, listen to me, please. I beg you to listen to what I am about to say. You know, when I was at Southern, um, in preaching class, they told me that the first 15 to 30 seconds of a sermon is critical. They said that that is the time that you will grab their attention and either keep it for the remainder of of the sermon or you've lost them. Because once you've lost them at the beginning, it's super hard to get them in between. So as I was thinking about something to say that will catch your attention, the best thing that I can think about was just to beg you to please listen to my sermon. (laughs) Amen. Amen. Just listen to what I'm about to say. Because I know that money is a sensitive issue. It is a sensitive topic. And we don't always like to hear the preacher talk to us about how we should deal with money and how we should deal with our finances. Now, notice that I am specifically talking about money, not stewardship. We're not going to talk about the stewardship of time and the stewardship of our talents and our God-given gifts. No, we will be focusing specifically on money, on finances. Now, why, you might be asking why. Why just money? And I'll tell you why. One of the reasons is because it's all around us. I mean, everywhere we turn, everywhere we look, the issue is money. Our country is in a financial crisis right now. And they're not just saying our country, they're saying worldwide that this is a worldwide financial crisis. And everywhere you turn, everywhere you go, you are being faced with the decision of how am I going to spend my money? How am I going to spend this money that I have? Most of our day is spent either making money, acquiring money, or spending money. You go to the grocery store, you're faced with the decision, how am I going to spend? You go to the gas station, you face your bills, and you're constantly faced with this, this dilemma of how do I interact with the money that I have? 
You might be wondering why. Why talk about money? Did you know that money is still at the top of the list as to why couples separate? As to why they divorce? At the very top of the list, money. Differences in how you spend money or how you make money. As I meet with couples and as I interact with couples who are struggling in their marriage, guess what always comes up? Money. The issue of money. Did you know that a study just came out a couple of weeks ago that said 30%, close to 30% of Americans are having a hard time falling asleep at night Because they're afraid or they're uncertain about their financial situation. Almost 30% are having a hard time falling asleep. Whether they're worried about losing their jobs, whether they're worried about how they're going to make ends meet, whether they're worried about how they're going to pay for their children's tuition, whether they're worried about where the next car is going to come from. 30% of Americans are having a hard time just falling asleep at night worrying about money. Why, you might ask. Why are we going to tackle this? Did you know that Jesus spent two-thirds, two-thirds of the parables of Jesus dealt specifically with money? Two-thirds, 66% of the parables of Jesus dealt with money. Now, how would you like it if I said to you, I'm going to spend 66% of my sermons talking about money? Well, that's not what I'm going to do. Although if I was to follow in the footsteps of Jesus. But we are going to spend the new, next few weeks talking about biblical principles of how we relate with our money. Now this is not going to be a sermon series on how I can get you to give more money to the church. That's not what this sermon series is about. This sermon series is about how can you find peace... How can you find financial freedom from what sometimes becomes such a big burden on our lives? You see, because the Bible is filled with principles that we can apply to our finances that will help us not have to worry about money, that will help us not to to feel trapped There's principles in here that talk about how how should we lend money? How should we borrow money? How should we interact with money when it comes to other people, with family members? And that is what we're going to spend the next few weeks talking about. And hopefully, my prayer is that if you apply these biblical principles to your life, you will eventually get to the point in your life where you are at peace with your financial situation. Another big reason why I feel that it is important for me to talk to you about money is because of a little verse found in Matthew. I'd like for you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 6, verse 21. We actually just read this a little bit ago in the call to worship. Matthew chapter 6, verse 21. I'm reading from the New King James Version, Matthew chapter 6, verse 21. 21. And this is what it says. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now let me give you a little bit of insight into my goal, into why I am here as your pastor. 
Because more than anything else in the world, what I am concerned about in your life is your heart. Where is your heart? Now, here, here's the deal. We struggle day by day. I meet with people and we, make, we try and make it through life circumstances and life's trials and life's tribulations. And I know that we experience loss and that we experience uh, physical ailments. I know that, that we go through, through really tough times in life. But you need to know that in my mind, in my heart, I know that that is but temporary. I know that the struggles that we go through and the struggles that we face together are only temporary. What I am more concerned about is where your heart is. Where is your heart? Is your heart throbbing with the heart of God? That is my number one priority. Because you know what? You can walk out of here on your way home today. Life can come to an end. And my question is not going to be, man, they had such a hard time in life. My question is going to be, was their heart in the right place? Will they see Jesus? Is the next thing they see, will it be Jesus? That's my number one concern. As your pastor, I want to make sure that your heart is in the right place. And so when I read Matthew chapter 6, verse 21, and it says to all of us, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also, I have to take note. And, and, and I have to realize what it's saying here. And, and some people will say, well, Pastor Q, that's really not talking about money. But no, yes, it is talking about money because when you, talk, when you take it into context, when you read what comes before and what comes after, you realize that what it's talking about, it's money. Your relationship with money. If we start reading in verse 19, it says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. Where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Where neither moth nor rust destroy. And where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now some of us will stop right there and say, listen Pastor Q, treasure could be just about anything. What you treasure, that's where your heart is. I treasure my children, therefore My heart is where my children is. I treasure my family, my wife. And so therefore, that's where my heart is. I treasure the school or I treasure the church. And and that's where my heart is. And certainly, that is a biblical principle that we can apply. But we cannot neglect the context in which this is spoken of. And I'll explain it to you as we continue reading here. Verse 22 It says, the lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? Now, it seems as though we're not talking about money, right? I mean, it seems that he kind of switched the subject altogether. When in reality, what he is saying is, Whatever you set your eye on, that will be a reflection of what is in your heart. Do you see? If you set your eye on good, that is a reflection that what is on the inside is good. But if you set your eye on bad things, on evil things, on things of this world, that is a reflection that what's in the inside is not very good. 
And then he goes on to explain this a little bit more in verse 24. No one can serve two masters, for neither he for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Now, what does the word mammon mean? Or what if some of your translations read? Mammon is the Aramaic word for riches. And that is why some of your versions will say riches or wealth or some of the more contemporary versions will just come out and say it, money. And so he says man cannot worship God and money. It is impossible. And so he says if you set your goal, if you set your sights, if you set your attention, your, your, your all in acquiring money, he says the inside isn't very good. It's not looking very good. But if you set your eyes on, if you set your goal on the things of God, then that speaks loudly about your heart. Now, in the next few weeks, we're going to take a very close look at some really powerful things. We're going to look at consumerism. We're going to look at materialism. We're going to look at debt and how to eliminate debt. We will be looking at tithe and offering and and how that plays into into our lives and how does that relate with our relationship with Jesus Christ. But make no mistake about it, that God, Jesus here, my words are in red, Jesus here says that how you relate to money says a lot about the condition of your heart. He goes on to say in verse 25, Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, that you will, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Um, I'm not sure. Let me think about that one, God. Because food is pretty important. Clothes is pretty important. The houses that we live in is pretty important. The cars that we drive, God, all of that's pretty important. I don't know that life is more than these things. Verse 26. Look at the birds of the air. For they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. Okay, God, wait a second. Are you comparing me now to a bird? What's the deal here? Surely I'm a little bit more significant, more important than a bird, right? Well, let's read on. Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? And then he says, O ye of little faith. And now all of a sudden we start making a connection that our worrying, that our acquisition 
of stuff, of food, of clothes, of homes, of cars, that, that all that time that we spend doing all of those things, not that those things are bad in of themselves, but when they take the place of God, that's when we have a problem. He says, if it takes my place, then you have a faith problem. You have a faith issue. If you are not putting me first, in your finances, if you're not putting me first in how you relate to money, you have a faith issue. You have a faith problem. Your heart is not in the right place. And so he continues on saying here in verse 31, Therefore, do not worry about what we shall eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear. For after all these things, the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And some of these things shall be added unto you. Oh, okay, so you are paying attention. You haven't tuned me out. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and what? And all of these things shall be added unto you. You see, God's priority, Jesus' priority here is to make sure that your heart is in the right place. Because Jesus knows, as I know, and a lot of us here know, that the trials and tribulations that we go through on this earth are but temporary. It's short-term thinking if you're constantly concerned about what I'm going to eat, what I'm going to drink, what am I going to wear, how am I going to provide. It's short-term thinking. God wants us to think long-term. And long-term thinking says, I will trust in you because I know that you will provide. If I seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, if I show my heart to be loyal to him, guess what? God will provide. God will see you through. And so here's a small tool that you can start applying to your own life. You pay all the bills and you think, oh my goodness, I don't know how we're going to do it. At that moment, you stop. You get on your knees and you say, God, you will provide. God, you will see me through. It's, it's a small tool that you can start using. As soon as you start worrying about the bills or how we're going to make it or we're not making enough. As soon as you're laid off from work. You have that thought that says, you know what? God will provide. God will provide. He provided for the birds. He provided for the lilies of the field. Am I not more important than that? Guess what? God will provide. I don't have to put money in front of God. No. The answer is to put God first. Because God will provide. He goes on to say, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow 
For tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient the day, it's its own trouble. He says, listen, don't worry. Don't worry about these things. I will provide. But your goal in life, your number one priority should be to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. I remind you of that text in 2 Chronicles that says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. That's right. God's eyes right now as we speak is running up and down these pews, up and down these rows, trying to find someone who will show loyalty to him so that now God can show himself strong on their behalf. God is looking for loyal people. God is looking for people whose heart is after him. We have an example of this in scripture. I'd like for you to turn all the way back to the beginning of scripture to the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 15. Genesis chapter 15. Unbelievable story in Genesis chapter 15. Genesis chapter 15. Starting with verse 1. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield. Your exceedingly great reward. But Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me? Seeing I go childless and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. Then Abram said, look, you have given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is my heir. So here, Abraham, Abram is having this conversation, this dialogue with God. And he's saying, God, you haven't given me the offspring that you said you would give me. What's going on here? I'm I'm late in age. My time's passing by. And what's going on? And so then here in verse 4, it says, And behold, the word of the Lord came to him saying, This one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. Then he brought him outside and said, look now towards heaven and count the stars if you are able to number them. And he said to him, you so shall your descendants be. And so here God once again promises to Abram, to Abraham, that through you shall be many nations. Through you shall come the descendants. Now, I need you to to think about the significance of what's taking place here. Because this isn't just about Abram's name being carried on. This isn't just a matter of me saying, Heather, I want to have a boy so that we can, so his name is Quintana and so that my name can, can, you know, live on past me. There's a lot more going on here than just that. You need to remember that through him was promised the everlasting covenant. Through Abram. The everlasting covenant had been promised. Do you know what that means? Jesus, the Messiah, the Savior of the world. I mean, we're talking about the stakes are high. 
And so he says, through you will come this offspring. Through you will come this heir. And verse 6, it says, and he believed in the Lord and he accounted it to him for righteousness. Then he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land. If you read chapter seven. Chapter 17, verse 7, we read where it talks about this everlasting covenant through Abraham. It says, and I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you in their generation for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and your descendants after you. And so we're talking about a pretty significant Heir, a pretty significant son that needs to be born to Adam. Well, most of you already know the story, right? God comes and says, the time is now. And remember that, that Sarah laughed. <laughs> How can this be? You know, uh, here, old age, impossible, right? But it happens. And, and so she she bears a son. They call his name Isaac, which literally means laughter. Because, I mean, how can it be? Past your time. I mean, it's impossible. Abraham's like 100 years old. Um, I think Sarah at the time was like in her 80s. How, how can this be? But it happens. Miraculously, God provides. And so the child is here. And then the unthinkable, the unspeakable, the unmentionable. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 22. Genesis chapter 22, verse 10. And Abram stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. Now, how in the world did we get to this point? Do you remember what happened? God says, Abraham, I need you to do something. Abraham, I need you to take Isaac, the promised son. Abraham, I need you to take him to the top of the mountain. And Abraham, I need you to sacrifice him. Whoa. Wait a second, God. This is my only hope. This is the last thing I have left. I mean, through him, the Messiah is going to come. Through, through Isaac, we're going to be able to establish the everlasting covenant. Through, through him, we're, we're going to be able to save the world. This is our last chance, God. What are you talking about? And God says, no. You need to put your trust in me. You need to not rely on your own resources you need not rely on what you have before you. You need to rely on me. Now, when you get to that point in life, we are faced with a faith issue. Huh? I mean, we are faiths, faced with a faith decision. God, there is no way that I can pay the bills if, if, if you, if I do what you're t telling me to do. You are faced with a faith decision. 
God, there's no way that I can leave my job and take this one with less income just because that's what you're calling me to do. You are faced with a faith decision. And the question that you have to ask yourself is where are you going to place your faith? In who are you going to trust? Are you going to trust in God or are you going to trust in self? Are you going to put your faith in God or are you going to put your faith in your own resources, in your own talents, in your own personality, in your own character? Are you going to place your faith in God or in self? We are now faced with a faith decision. And for those of you that have been around long enough, we'll know that putting your faith in self never gets you anywhere. And many of us have had to learn the hard way. That whenever you choose to put self first, whenever you try and do things on your own, whenever you try and do things without God's counsel or without God's instruction, guess what? Maybe a month goes by, two months, three months, maybe a few years go by, but guess what? You always will be back at this one spot where you are forced again to face your decision of whether or not I will put my faith in God or in self. Because what it always comes back to is where is your heart? Where is your heart? And make no mistake about it. God is after your heart. That's what he wants. And so, yes, God will sometimes put you through some difficult situations in life. But you know what? In God's mind, he says, this is just temporary. This is only here because I am interested in the bigger picture. I am interested in their heart. Where is their heart? Because he wants to seal your heart for eternity. That is God's, that is God's goal in all of this. And so he will constantly bring us back to a place where we are forced to make a decision between putting our faith in him or putting our faith in self or in the world or in, in, in earthly or in loans or in whatever it may be. You will always be brought back to that place. Now, what did Abraham choose? Did Abraham choose to do things on his own? Did Abraham choose to say, God, you know, I don't, you know, you've been good to me and you've really led me all this way. And, but I really think that this time you're thinking a little bit way out of the box here. And, and so, you know, let, let's, let's try things a little bit different. You know, I'm not going to do the whole Isaac thing. You know, is that what he did? As hard as it was for him to sacrifice everything. Everything. Isaac was his all in all. Through him was the salvation of the world. Not through Isaac, obviously, but eventually through Jesus Christ. He said, God, whatever, whatever you ask me to do, I will do. I will put my faith in you. I will put my trust in in you. And whatever it is that you ask me to do, I will have faith 
and I will trust in you and my heart will be loyal to you and only to you. And so we read here, we read here in Abraham in verse 10, and Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, here I am. And he said, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. Then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked and there behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of that place. Listen, listen, named that place. The Lord will provide. The Lord will provide. And it is said to this day in the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. So he called that place. The Lord will provide. Yahweh, Yerha, the Lord will provide. Will we, like Abraham, stand in that moment of decision making and know to the very bottom of our being, every fiber of our soul, will we be able to say, I know that the Lord will provide. Therefore, I will step out in faith and do what he is calling me to do. Will we have that faith? I pray that, yes, we will. I pray that all of us will have that faith. I pray that all of our hearts will be at that place that when we're faced with difficult financial decisions, that we will say, I will trust in God. I will place my faith in him and whatever he has called me to do that I will do because I know that he will provide. You want me to tell you why I believe to the bottom of my being, every fiber of my soul that I know God will provide? Do you know why there is no question in my mind that he will provide? I'd like for you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Matthew, back to the book of Matthew. Back to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13. How do I know that God will provide? The answer to that question, we actually find in asking another question. And that other question is this. Where is God's treasure? Where is his treasure? What is he treasure? Matthew chapter 13, verse 44. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field which a man found and hid, and for joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Now, I know that a lot of times we look at this verse and we say, you see, that should be our response to the gospel. That should be our response to Jesus Christ. And certainly, 
there's a biblical principle there that applies that we should sell all that we have to to buy into Jesus Christ, right? But do you notice how this starts? It starts by saying that the kingdom of heaven is like a man, all right? So verse 45, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls who when had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. This man, this merchant, is not talking about you and me. It's talking about Jesus Christ. It's talking about Jesus, who that when he found you, when he found me, what did he do? He went and he sold everything that he had to purchase you. Where is his heart? Where is his treasure? If it's not in you, if it's not in me, we are the apple of his eye. We are his treasure. And when he found us, the Bible says, he went and he sold everything, everything in order to buy you back. That is why I know that my Lord will provide no matter what the circumstance no matter what we may be facing Jesus will provide we are his treasure and he's proven to us time and time again that he will show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him he's proven to us time and time again that he will never leave us nor forsake us God will provide after all We are his treasure. He's already given it all up for us to begin with. And he will do it again and again and again. You can have the confidence. You can have the faith that when you are faced with a decision of whether or not I put God first or do I follow the dictates of my own heart, you can rest assured that when you find yourself in that place, you can have the faith to step out and put your trust in God because God will provide. Our Father in heaven, God, we thank you so much. We thank you so much for the promises that we have in scripture of you providing for us, of you taking care of us. You know, it's very easy for us to say, then why am I in the situation that I'm in? Well, Lord, have we been putting you first? Is the situation that we're in perhaps the consequences of our choices? And now we're blaming you? God, as we embark on this journey together and we discover biblical principles about finances and money, God, give us the courage. Give us the faith to step out and put our trust in you, knowing that By doing so, you will not let us down. That you will provide. You will see us through. God, we thank you so much for demonstrating it already on the cross. As you gave it all up. You gave it all up for us. God, we want our hearts to be loyal to you. We want our faith to be in you. Because I know that what you want for us is freedom. 
You want financial freedom. You want us to experience peace. You don't want us, um, you know, staying up half through the night worrying about money or bills or expenses, tuition, work. You don't want us worrying about those things. You want us to have complete confidence in you that you will provide. God, be with us as we go through this series. And again, I just ask that you just give us the courage and give us the power to apply these biblical principles to our finances, to our money. Because ultimately what you seek is not more money. What you seek is our hearts. You want to seal our hearts for eternity. So God, change us and mold us. It's my prayer in Jesus' name. No matter where you are on your spiritual journey, Frederick Seventh-day Adventist Church would love to help you along the way. They are a family-oriented, grace-filled church serving the Frederick, Maryland area. You can feel free to learn more about them at frederick.sdachurch.org. For more podcasts, you can click on Sermon Audio. 